Something incredible happened uh, to Steve Keyes recently. I want Steve to come to the stage. My name is Chad. I'm the lead pastor here at Bridgeway. And Steve was the founding pastor of the church that merged with Mount Zion. And uh, all of us have grown up in here with the revelation of Psalm 91. But this became pretty real to you here recently. I want you to tell the, the body of your story. Okay, this is what happened to me. A week from Saturday, I was in a very serious car accident. Could have easily been killed about for one or two seconds of time different would have happened. I probably wouldn't be standing here before you today. Now, I was riding along with a guy who was in my passenger side. His name was Mitchell Mitchell. Cool, huh? That's one of the best names of all time. And so he was there, and you say, who is that guy? Well, he is an interesting story about how we met them. Two years ago, my wife and I were on vacation in Crested Butte, Colorado. Beautiful place. We were having breakfast. And at this family table, uh, we were sitting there with another couple, and we didn't know these two other young couples that came in, and they began to pray over their meal. And I began to sense these guys are believers in Jesus. So we had conversation with them, found out they were there for a marriage conference. And uh, Carrie, his wife, became friends with my wife, Becky, over Facebook. Here's a picture of their family on the screen. This is Mitchell, and this is Carrie. This is their two kids, three-year-old Malachi and nine-year-old Brooke. Well, we got a message for them probably a month ago. It says, hey, guess what? We're moving to Greenville, South Carolina. And I said, well, cool. I'm going to tell you a great church you should attend. And so they are here today. So stand up, Mitchell and Carrie, right here. Let's welcome Mitchell and Carrie. There they are right there. Yay. And so... Uh, when, we get them in Calif- when we get them in Colorado as friends, we get them into this church as fast as we can as well when they land in Greenville. But they say, we're moving here. And so what, we said, well, come stay with us. And so Mitchell came to stay with us. He tried to get a house in Holly Tree. It looked like it was going to happen. It fell through. Had to wait a little longer. We had to get a bunch of people rallied together to help them move. We moved them into a storage thing because they had to unload the truck. And then when they got the house, they had to move it in their garage. Had to get more people. And so we're getting all these people to help them move. Then Carrie comes down with the kids, and they've been staying with us about a week. Well, we were leaving the packing and the unloading of all that. We, Mitchell and I were heading back to my house and heading back home. Uh, we could go from Saturday And as we were heading back home, going across Wade Hampton Boulevard, two lanes of traffic, I had a green light. I'd stopped at the red light, going across on a green light. As soon as I was, I looked out of the periphery vision of my right eye, and I saw a big red Dodge Ram truck. I didn't know at the time, just a blur. This big Ram truck came speeding through the red light. I hit my brakes as hard as I could, so hard that my leg hurt the next day from pushing the brake so hard. But I couldn't stop, and I hit the tail end of that truck, spun the truck all the way around Wade Hampton Boulevard, 30 yards away, facing me. The whole front end of my car was torn off. It looks like this. That's what my car looks like now. My car, the Hyundai Sonata, lives no more. It is now considered totaled, and it's gone. Well, Mitchell was riding with me in the front seat. Airbags deployed, which looks like this. I've never been in a car with airbags blowing up before. It, looks like an, it feels like an explosion in, in burned cigarettes. And so here I am in this car, and I slammed into that. My glasses did not break. Mitchell, are you okay? He said, yeah, I'm okay. He got out. I got out. We kind of stumbled around. Are we okay? We looked at each other and said, I think we are. And so we realized there are parts all over the road. We're picking up parts. They're taking pictures of me holding up the parts of the car and dropping them over on the side so the traffic can go. And then we walked down to see the lady who hit us. Her son had kind of staggered out and walked down to see us about 20 years old. And he said, my mom read the red light. I told her, you're going to run a red light. You're going to run a red light. I said, could you say that again for my phone here as I record this right now? 
Your mom did what now? Your mom did what? Thank you very much. Okay, we got that. Mitchell's taking pictures of their license plate and everything in case they just speed off. We, we don't know. Their car was not hardly damaged at all. And so they knew what they had done. And I said, let's go down, Mitchell, and talk to this lady. So we go and we walk down to talk to the lady. I, I know she looked like fear on her face, like we were going to cuss her out. Let her have it. And we walked up to her and I said, are you okay? And she said, yeah, are you okay? I said, yeah. She was kind of shaking a little bit. She said, I'm so sorry. I know I ran the red light. She said, but my mother just passed away. And uh, my mind's not here. I'm not really in my right mind. And I'm so sorry. I said, can I pray for you? She said, can you what? Can I pray for you? And she put her hand out. I grabbed her hand. I just prayed for God's comfort and peace to be over her. That God would meet her needs in her life and take care of her and her family and not let this ruin the rest of her day. I said, look, this is just a car. We'll get another one. It'll be okay. We're both okay. And, I, and I, when I quit praying for her, she was weeping and she was crying. And I thought, wow, what a chance to be a Jesus to her for just this short period and moment of time where we could have been killed if we had been a second earlier. Well, I had to go get a new car. Last part of the story is this. I go to the Honda dealer that's close to where we live off of Lyman Rake and Wadehampton and went to Dick Brooks Honda. We saw a really nice Honda Civic that I thought, that's a beautiful car. It was a year and a half old, brand new though, but hadn't been sold, been sitting there a long time, and it had already been marked down. I said to the guy, if that's marked down more, I might buy that one. He said, that won't be marked down anymore. Well, I walked in and talked to the manager, and I said, would you drop that anymore? He said, nope, can't do that. But then I, he said, why? I said, well, I might be interested. Well, I went home and didn't buy it. He called me on the phone. And said, would you, uh, he said, how much lower did you want it to be? I said, $1,000. He said, ah, we could do 500. I said, nope, probably not. We'll keep you in mind. We'll talk to you. He called me back in about 20 minutes and said, uh, here's what, here's what he said. He said, I, are you with the guy that was standing on the road uh, holding those car parts up, weren't you? He said, I went by Wade Hampton and saw, was that you? I said, that was me. And he said, I, okay, he's going to call the owner of Dick Brooks Honda and say, let's help this guy. I saw him on the side of the road looking helpless, and maybe we could help him. And so they called me back and said, we'll give you the $1,000 off, and I bought the Honda Civic. So now I have a brand new car out of the deal. Got to pray and have a brand new car. That's so awesome. That's my story. That's awesome. That is awesome. I'll give these to you. The reason I wanted to share that, or Steve to share that story is, number one, just to celebrate the grace of God in, in our lives, in Steve's life. Psalm 91 is not a fictional piece of literature. It's real. I've read a book on stories of Psalm 91. They're astounding. But the other part of what I wanted Steve to share is what he did in the middle of the wreck, in the middle of the debris. Around here, we've been preaching for a long time that Jesus came to put a face on the Father. And we're here to put a face on Jesus. And in the West, if you're not careful, the church will be defined as a building that you come to typically to orient uh, around a personality. And it's like, well, let's let's just come receive from that person's gift. And we orbit around that person or maybe those people. But the Lord never had that in mind for the church. His idea of the church is that we are the church. This is simply a training ground for us to go and put a face on Jesus wherever we are. Rex, school, home, it doesn't matter where we are. And one of the things that we just made a non-negotiable when Steve preached that 
epic series years ago, he preached against the gifts of the Spirit and then six months later preached for the gifts of the Spirit. And when he did, it changed everything for us. And we went from just being a place to where we came together to where we said, wait a minute, let's take John ten thirty eight seriously. The works of the Father. Because Jesus says, it's not I that do these works. It's the Father who lives in me. Jesus actually never healed anyone. It was the Father operating in him. And you watch Jesus. He raised up three disciples more than the other nine. Then he raised up the nine. Then he had probably another 120. Jesus was always working himself out of a job. In the American church, even in small churches, we have a celebrity spirit where pastors are incredibly insecure. And so what they want to do is to create basically a marketing campaign to come receive from the pastor's gift. And we call that church. But in the kingdom, church is you come to get trained and everyone plays. So John fourteen twelve, any man believes in me, he will do the same things I have done. Even greater things will he do because I'm going to be with the Father. Before the Protestant Reformation, the abuses going on in the Catholic Church, all the power was held in the priest's hands. You could not read the Bible. You have to go to the priest. You would even have to pay priest money when one of your relatives died to get the priest to pray for them. And the Protestant Reformation, you basically saw what happened was the power got put back into the hands of the quote-unquote peasants, if you will. And peasants in the kingdom are actually kings. He's the king of kings. But if we're not careful, we will preach the theology of Protestant Reformation, but we will still live underneath the old system. And the old system is, let's find a couple of people operating in the stuff. And then let's pay our tithes and offerings and get that person to be the feudal Lord over my life. Let that person handle all God's activity. And if I need something, I'll go to that person. I'm not going to go to God for that. And so when the wreck happens, let me get the pastor on the phone and get the pastor here as fast as possible to come pray for the person in the wreck. Well, the truth is we, we all have Jesus in us. Some of us have a little more Jesus than others, but we all have Jesus in us. That was a joke. Y'all are so serious. Any man believes in me, he will do the same things I have done. Even greater things will he do because I'm going to be with the Father. This morning I'm going to teach for about eight minutes and then I'm going to interview two people. And I want to teach for eight minutes on one idea. What characteristic in your life do you really need to get a hold of? What attribute, what principle to start stepping into more of the John ten thirty eight, John fourteen twelve life of Jesus. We see Stephen, you don't know much about him, all of a sudden Acts 7, he's doing mighty works. The book of Acts to me is not a historical book. The book of Acts to me is a recipe for what my life can look like. 1 Corinthians 14, 1 says, Pursue love and eagerly desire all the gifts, especially prophecy. I'm going to make this so simple you can't misunderstand it. The gifts will not come to you. You will go to them. You'll go to them. When you can go another day without getting a word of knowledge over someone, you will. And you say, well, that's striving. Yeah, Paul said strive. He wrote about three or four times. We do need to strive towards these things. And we become so entitled and we're scared to death that someone's going to think it's legalism that we leave out Scripture. 1 Corinthians 14, 1 says, pursue love. And eagerly desire all the gifts, especially prophecy. Eagerly is a word that is like getting after it. I've been called an extreme person most of my life. I don't know why I am the way I am. I don't, sometimes I wonder, like, God, did you just make me this way? Like, when I come upon a new hobby, I don't want to sort of kind of do it. I just want to be, like, all in. Yeah. 
I'm that kind of guy. When I was in seminary, I decided I wanted to row canoes for exercise. Get in a canoe and go down a river. I did not have a truck or a canoe. I don't know where that came from. But I got my hands on a canoe, did it one time. I'm like, I don't know. Some people just go to the gym to get on a treadmill. I wanted to canoe ride. Uh, I remember telling my wife, I said, babe, I'm going to run in a half marathon. And she said, bless your heart. And I remember getting four or five mailboxes from my driveway on that first run. Has anyone ever run in a half marathon in here? We need a fitness revolution at Bridgeway. If all the people that raised your hand, we could have church in a phone booth. Raise your hand again right there. Okay, a half marathon is where you actually run towards something. And it lasts for 13.1 miles. And I had to train a lot. And uh, it's so extreme. It's not normal. And C.S. Lewis says truth is found in the extremes. You have to go to the extremes. They don't ever come to you. So what the, the Western church is about having a safe theology and a comfortable setting. And we have programs for everything. And the moment you start praying in tongues or laying hands on the sick or doing life with community with people going after that, people will call you a cult until you pull out the Bible and realize, well, maybe the extreme book of Acts should be the norm. And perhaps the Holy Spirit is coming again and giving America another shot, specifically in mainstream churches, to say, put down all the other authors about charismatic things. Let's just read the book of Acts and see if this stuff is true. There, there, are, five, there are five C's, five C's that I teach through when it comes to stepping into the things of God, and I share with the staff a lot. I'm going to put these up on the board because one of these, actually two of these, two of these words that begin with C are principles that not only apply to like training for a half marathon or doing something extreme, but they also apply on how to make the kingdom manifest in your life. Because the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk. It's a matter of power. I don't preach on healings uh, trying to convince myself they're true. I see them in my life and I pray for people and then I come share testimonies. Two very different things. This whole fake it till you make it stuff, no. You need to see it manifest and then share testimony and it starts multiplying. The first C is character. The second C is competency. The third and fourth C's I want to talk about, their capacity and courage, the fifth one is chemistry. Whether you're on a football team, you run your own business, in a marriage, family, the sphere of influence doesn't really matter. All these C's are, are in play here. You need to be growing in character, competency, capacity, courage, and chemistry. If I'm growing in all five of these C's, I'm going to be winning. Here's what I've noticed as a pastor. As a pastor. Pastor? People who focus a lot on character and competency become people that other people admire, but they never really step out of the boat onto the water when they stop with character and competency. I can have competency so much that I have six PhDs and it takes you 15 minutes to pronounce my name because I got so many letters beside it and write a book on the gifts of the spirit and never see them manifest. I'm going to tell you something. Competency is overrated. They looked at some fellows that followed Jesus and said, aren't these uneducated and untrained men? You know what that really means? Aren't these some incompetent people? But they didn't know what to do because they had been with Jesus and they were raising dead people and the others weren't. The Jews and the scholars and the Pharisees and the Sadducees had incredible competency. There's one thing they liked. Okay, you get down here to this fourth sea and watch this. There's 12 disciples in a boat. Jesus sends his disciples into a storm. He knew the storm was going to be there. He walks on water 
and only one disciple got out of the boat to get to Jesus, only one, and it wasn't even the Lord's idea for Simon Peter to walk on the water. It was Simon Peter's idea. That fourth C is the most underrated C on this little chart, courage. It's the most underrated word. You can be growing in the principle of character and competency, but unless you're growing in courage, I'm going to make this so simple, you have to hire someone to help you misunderstand it, you can go a lifetime and not see the kingdom manifest in your life. The gifts aren't going to come to you, you're going to go to them. People that have encounters with the Lord Jesus Christ himself are typically people going after the Lord so hard they want him more than they want their next breath. Mike Jones is someone in my life that's um, been helping me work out and lose some weight since Christmas. And I've hit a stall recently, and we decided that I need to do a lot more cardio. And so I sent him a text two weeks ago, and I said, Mike, do you want to go on a hike? And he said, Mikey likey. He texted back, Mikey likey. Mike is a Marine. Uh, he weighs 165 pounds and he has 0% body fat. At least it looks like he was in the first service and I texted him back and I said, Mike, hang on. I'm going to lead this hike. You're just <laughs> set the record straight. You're not, you're just going to be there to cheer me on. Uh, cause when I, you say hike to, to a Marine, they're bringing ropes and pulleys and things in my mind. I wanted a little 1% uh, grade, little walk, little power walk, a uh, little camelback, waterback. Think, think about the grade of this stage about like that. And there are trails like that. Any hikers in here? We have four people that have run before any hikers. So we have 12 hikers and on hikes, you have five different levels of trails. Typically we went to Jones Gap State Park. Mike had his map out. And he said, why don't we go on this trail? And I analyzed it and looked at it because if, when you see the trail that is so red, it looks like it's bleeding. You don't, you don't go on that trail. It says severely difficult. And in Greek, that means I will never get on one of those red trails. We get about five minute. No, 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 no. One minute into the hike. And Mike sees this trail to his left. Cobwebs. Um, it's like a, like a death trail. And he goes, you know, it has been years since I've been here, but Denise and I, we got engaged the week we got engaged. We hiked up here, these waterfalls. And I'm thinking, mm, nope. My first question was, is it downhill to the waterfalls? And he said, you know, he said, he, he said, I promise you, he goes, it's not that far up there. Let's go look at it. When a Marine says it's not that far, what's translated in reality is run. <laughs> An hour into it, after I stopped for the fourth time, I had my Fitbit on. My Fitbit, it was saying something like death, death, <laughs> death, death. I said, Mike, this, is, this isn't right. I didn't ask for this. And I heard in my left ear from the Holy Spirit, this wasn't Mike's idea, this was my idea. Put, can we put those words back up there? The, the, four, the third and fourth word, capacity and courage are directly tied together. The only way to stretch your capacity is to do more than you think you're capable of doing. There's no other way to stretch capacity. But here's what we do. I'll go to that church because that pastor walks in that stuff. And so if I have a need, I'll just kind of be a parasite and I'll get on someone else that can operate in the gifts. We would never say that, but that's what we do. 
And uh, it, it kind of works this way. You kind of start off by sitting in the back, and then you get more comfortable. And then one day you may have enough courage to, like, attempt to get a prophetic word over yourself in a mirror where nowhere else can see you. But here's the way the kingdom works. The Father knows that the only way you're going to grow is through capacity and courage. And what he typically does is he will throw you into the fire. He will throw you into the deep end. And you learn how to swim. You'll grow more in one week than you have in 10 years if you understand that you cannot undervalue courage. I want to interview somebody this morning. Ben, come on up here. This is, this is going to be so much fun. Recently, I shared a story. Here you go, BB. Recently, I shared a story from stage about a dream that I had about me and my grandfather. My grandfather was named Bill. He was a major in World War II. And he, in the dream, we went into a drug lord situation. And I did not say from this stage what type of gun it was. But in the dream, I took the gun, I killed the drug lord, that was the religious spirit, I told that whole story, and uh, I went home and I was like, man, that was awkward, God, you made me share that dream from, from stage. Well, the next day, I get an email from this man who I've never met in my life, and I'm going to let you take it from there. Your email said... Yeah, I left the parking lot, and uh, the Holy Spirit said, you're going to buy Chad a gun. <laughs> That's God's sense of humor. Um, yeah. I said, well, what kind of gun you know, am I going to buy? He said, a, a, a Thompson, which is a Tommy gun. And you know? um, from the stage, I didn't say it was a Tommy no, gun. It was a Tommy gun in my dream. My grandfather was from Thompson, Georgia. Right. And so I get this email, and I'm reading it over going, uh, Lord, is this legit? I mean, I mean, who is this guy? And, and then so I talk to you, and I'm like, so uh, God said what? And you started laughing, and I started laughing. Um, I grew up Baptist. You've been around conservative circles following Jesus. You happened to pick up my book, Signs, Wonders, and a Baptist Preacher uh, before that. Why don't you tell your journey from not really seeing any of this stuff manifesting? It was more of an ignorance thing than a cessationist thing. Yeah, that's right. But all of a sudden, in a short amount of time, you've pulled a Simon Peter here. You've gotten out of the boat, and now stuff is manifesting. Why don't you talk about it? Really, a year ago this month, July, I just had that prayer of surrender. Um, a crazy storm comes up. I lose my TV from lightning, and I get a TV with Netflix built in, and I find uh, Holy Holy Ghost, Darren Wilson's movies, and I watch those movies, and I'm just blown away. I didn't know y'all were doing all these things, you know. I just thought we went to church and got saved every week and, you know, lived a moral life, and y'all are healing people and casting out demons, and, you know, I just went all in with it, uh, the table conference, I got the gift of tongues, and I just, you know, just went all in. Why did you get out of the boat? Because you, you didn't grow up around this stuff. You watch a movie. You read a book. Why are you doing this? Well, I mean, it's, you can see this is, you know, watching those movies, I was seeing acts. You know, I'm watching it. This is for us. This is for everybody. And uh, the Holy Spirit just started pouring into me, just telling me, to go here, do this, pray for this person. Just, I started getting up at four thirty, five o'clock in the morning to, you know, spend time with him and to grow and build that deep friendship. And it's just been earnestly seeking the gifts. I do. I pray that every morning, you know. And they just start coming, you know. Just. Why don't you tell the story of recently praying for your dad and what happened? Yeah, my dad had a, a unexplained fever. Um, had it for about six days. He had been to all kind of doctors, blood tests, and 
they were going to send him to the infectious disease doctor and just unexplained. And Friday night, my dad told my mom to get Ben to come lay hands on me and pray. So I got my buddy and we went and we anointed him with oil. We laid hands on him. His fever was really rising. It rose overnight. And uh, it was probably 103, 104. And we laid, laid hands on and pray. We, we felt it was a spirit thing, so we, we bound that spirit and told it to leave. And the, the, the fever broke. I mean, you could feel it. I mean, he was hot, and it just went to cold. And while we were praying for him, he had a vision of Jesus. And, uh, he was wearing a blue robe, and my dad was wanting us to stop praying the whole time. He's like, Jesus is right here, you know. <laughs> but we kept praying, and... Uh, He's, he's fine. The, the fever left and he's, he's gone. A lot of people preach this message that the Holy Spirit is such a gentleman and he will never ask you to do anything that's uncomfortable, which isn't that just such a cute little message? That's very cute. Um, recently, you were in uh, your Sunday school class. Or no, you were with the youth group. Yeah. And the Holy Spirit asked you to do something. Won't you tell Bridgeway what the Holy yeah, Spirit Yeah, the Holy Spirit you. just started showing me a couple of months. You need to go testify to the youth at your old church. And uh, give them your testimony. Say, I want you to pray in the Spirit. And I want you to ask me to come like at Robbie Dawkins at the table. I said, oh, gosh. So uh, I did that. And the Holy Spirit definitely came. Uh, <laughs> everybody's looking around at their hands. And, you know, what, what really what happened here? And uh, it's created a great hunger there. Um, people are telling me, you know, they're reading the Bible. Uh, even a couple of weeks ago, the, the pastor got up and said that he had a vision. And uh, that the Lord told him he had, he had a, this church had a second chance. So, so that's, I, w- that's I want us to, to look from a leadership perspective, really practically how this has happened. A lot of people believe that God just moves when he wants to move. God moved based on you getting out of the boat. One man's courage is now impacting a church. Your courage can actually transform a literal nation. And you say, well, that's just extreme. You know what? Every once in a while, it ought to be a good prayer just to say, Father, get every bit of cynicism out of me. One person can transform a nation. But you're not going to transform a nation hanging around the banner of competency only. All five of those seeds are important, but the amount of courage you've shown has, has been amazing. And for you, it's not been without conflict, right? right? They called me a, a pagan babbler. They yeah. had a meeting after, yeah. a week after. You but know. isn't that pretty cool, though? Yeah, that's great. I like, love it. Yeah. I mean, that's almost, instead of getting your feelings hurt, it's like a pagan babbler, really? Yeah. <laughs> um, why don't you uh, prophesy, not, not prophesy, why don't you tell Bridgeway what the Father has shown you that what's coming here? Because we just met this week. You handed me a very expensive gun. I stared at you and <laughs> I sort of hugged you. And, and, uh, but but you, you, you started prophesying in my office and you, yeah. I really want the church to hear what the Father's showing you. He just showed me, I saw a picture of a cloud descending on, on Bridgeway. I'm a glory cloud, the Holy Spirit. And I just saw people from all different directions, north, south, east, west, coming to Bridgeway. Um, and they're, they're going to find the Holy Spirit. You know, where they're coming from, these other denominations, it's a quenched spirit. 
And they're going to come here and, and find the Holy Spirit. And some are going to take it back to, the, to their churches. Um, they're going to go and uh, take the fire and catch them back on fire. And there'll be a, a unified body. I, mean, I think Jesus is coming for a unified body. I really do. He loves unity. That's, that's, that's really awesome. Well, why don't you stay up here because I'm going to get you to pray in a second. Laura, why don't you come on up here? And uh, all you guys know Laura, but here's, here's the part of the story that I want Laura to share as it pertains to courage, because you'll get out of the boat when you want to get out of the boat. Last year at the table conference, I gave an invitation, probably about 400 people in here, and I, the prayer was, if you want to start growing in this stuff, in, in the gifts, and specifically with prophecy, come on up here and you, you can step out and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push you. I'm going to push you out of the boat. Laura thought I gave an invitation that if you wanted to receive a word, that, that that's why I was giving the invitation. So she came forward and I gave the instructions and I looked at her and I was just like, are you okay? And she, she was like, I'm not going to do this. And the way that i Nobody I'm, else came. Yes. Nobody else oh, came. Oh, that's right. Nobody else that's came right. in the whole conference. I Nobody forgot about that. Came. No wonder. Cause they heard the invitation. Yes. <laughs> That's right. I forgot that. And uh, if you've ever been to Haiti with me, if I ever hear someone say, I don't really know about the gifts, I'll make, you'll be the first one that prays for people. And uh, because I'm just a big believer that courage is underrated and you learn to swim by just getting chunked. And so um, from that day to when you were just, you were petrified. Yes. And mad. And mad. From that day till now, there's been an explosive growth. And specifically with something that happened this past week. Um, How's it happened? Because the goal is not just to celebrate what God's doing with Ben and Laura. This, everybody's supposed to play. How has this happened? How have you gone from zero to 100? What's going on? Well, you know, even between the services, I was like, Lord, was I really, like, being dense in, at the table conference? What, what was the deal? And I realized, the Lord reminded me, I, really, I thought it was like Christmas. Like, the gifts were going to be handed out. Like, you know, and I wanted to be the first one to open it and then share it, you know. And so the Lord was like, I honored that. It was really scary, but um, the, I've just kept asking. At that first at, at the uh, table conference, I didn't. I gave a word, and it didn't make sense to anybody that I know of, um, you know. And so I was like, okay, whatever. We're going to keep trying this. So a few weeks ago, actually, I'm leading a, a small group at night for married women, and the Lord said, I've been asking him, like, Lord, give me words of knowledge, but let it be in a safe place. And so I don't look too stupid. And, um, and so that night we're going in, I'm not even suspecting and the Lord's like tonight. And most of these ladies, I don't know, don't know them hardly at all. They're very new to Bridgeway even. So I don't even know if they have a grid for this. And he's like, I want you to give one for every girl there. Oh gosh, this is a lot. That's like 11 people. It's 11 words. And, um, so he takes me to the first girl and I don't know her. This was her first night, even at the study. She might be here. Um, and so I walk over and I'm like, I'm praying a lot. I'm sweating and, and I'm like, okay, I describe a man. I'm praying. It's her husband. And I see him holding, uh, pink roses and she just starts bawling, like sobbing. I'm like, okay, I hope this is a good response. <laughs> and she said, you're describing my husband. And those are the flowers he gave me when we got engaged. And it was a huge moment. And she elaborated and I was like, yes, go God, you know? So my faith started building. So as it went, there was another girl and 
It was so powerful. I, I saw a hoopa. I think I'm saying it wrong, but, um, over her. And that was the Jewish ark that they get married under. And I said, I saw I see you guys doing a communion under this. And she, her eyes are like this. And I'm going, is this resonating? And, um, you know, and she's, she says, yes, we have just started taking communion together. And we've been trying to learn more about Jewish traditions just to broaden our knowledge. She said, but we have no idea what we're doing. We don't know if the Lord's showing up or what. We're just doing it by faith. And so it got to be a ministry of like, yes, he's showing up and confirming to her and eventually to him. And the Lord's just grown it so much. But it was full of the presence of God that night that they got to just see that their father paid attention to small details in their lives. It didn't have anything to do with me. I just got to be the vessel. And my faith was so encouraged by the whole thing. It was amazing. That's awesome. That is really cool. So yes, give this round of applause. And so the goal is for everyone to play. If any man believes in me, he will do the same things I have done. Even greater things will he do because I'm going to be with the father. We want to close today with an invitation. Ben, why don't you describe what the Father showed you about some stomach issues? And we're going to leave today by praying for some people um, that Ben describes. That's how we're going to go out today. Yeah, I just had a, the first healing I was a part of was my little girl. And it was a stomach issue. And all week it's been praying for people for stomach issues. Uh, I want you to stand up. If you have stomach, Crohn's disease, uh, nervous stomach, any kind of intestinal problem if you could just stand up and uh i want the people around around you to lay hands on and pray if they would we That's just awesome. want to pray in authority over this uh, yep. spiritual issue just start praying right now we'll dismiss here in just a, a father just seconds. send your holy spirit right now in in power we just bind the spiritual, the spirit that is afflicting these people. We just bind the spirit right now. We command it to go in Jesus' name. Go in Jesus' name. Right now. We just loose this person right now in Jesus' name. Father, we give you this church. We thank you for what you're doing. And I bless this house that it will be a signs and wonders house. That healing would be the children's bread. Go in peace. Have a fantastic week. God bless.